My guest today is Brian Eisenberg. He is a keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author. He's written quite a few books, one being Call to Action. That was actually the first book that I ever read. And Waiting for Your Cat to Bark, Always Be Testing, Buyer's Legends, The Executive Storyteller's Guide. And I was lucky enough to meet Brian for the first time at the Search Engine Strategies Conference in San Francisco back in 2010. Feels like yesterday, but it was a little bit longer than yesterday. I probably didn't have as many gray hairs. <laughs> I'm in that transition myself, so I probably didn't either. <laughs> Brian has been an integral part of so many different companies from Monetate to UserTesting.com, and the list is, is quite endless. But one of the things that I think is really, really key is that Brian has been somebody that's passionate about conversion rates, persuasion, architecture, and really turning companies into something that maybe they didn't even know, dramatically improving their sales using these, I'd like to think of them as as complicated, but they're really not. They're these really simple techniques. And that's really where Brian's latest work, which is Be Like Amazon, I think is a culmination of your expertise. And really, because you're such a good teacher, you've completely drilled down into simple concepts and uh, and that's really what I wanted to get in with you today about yeah you know it's they're, they're simple but not easy not easy to execute on you know and it's a lot like my my hobbies right my, my son uh, plays both basketball and baseball right and you know you look at someone like you know Michael Jordan or or uh, LeBron James and you know th- shooting a basketball is not hard it's, it's actually fairly simple Putting it all in a game when all the pressure with, you know, with the defense on there and and then, then, you know, the fatigue of it, it's not easy, right? You can, anybody can go up there and go and, you know, and we see it all the time, right? Videos of people taking half core shots for for contests and, and, and sometimes they make it, right? So doing it, but, you know, doing it at the level of, you know, um, you know, any one of the superstars today, yes, it, it requires a concentrated effort uh, at, at execution. And one of the interesting things about this is that you have been talking about the power of stories ever since I've met you. And one of the books that a friend of mine gave me was The Richest Man in Babylon. And this was about two years ago. And everybody seems to be confused about wealth and, and wealth development. There's so many different people talking about it. But when you read this book, it's a simple narrative. When I started after, I think, about chapter two, when I finally started realizing that what I was experiencing through Be Like Amazon, I was basically reading The Richest Man from Amazon. It, it's funny you mention that because when we sat down with Roy to talk about the concept of what we wanted to have in the book, um, and then we started talking about, okay, so what's the story going to be like? Uh, that is the book that we mentioned. Um, and we said, you know, it's that similar journey of a, you know, of a mentor and, and, and someone who's struggling, um, to transform, right. And to grow into something different. And and the fact of the matter is, you know, no matter what kind of business you're in, we have seen people applying the same concepts that we talk about in the book, transform their businesses. Um, and you know, Roy's been doing it for years as well. Um, and as long as you commit to the process and, and, you know, and you, and you notice, we talk about that in very early in the book, you know, you have to have a little bit of a leap of faith that if you align yourself with the good of your customer, that you'll reap the rewards over the long term, Right. And it's kind of the same thing. I, I coming back to the sports analogy, right? It's the same thing I tell my son. It's like, you know what? The games he plays today, we really don't care how he does. Okay. If he dominates that day, if he doesn't dominate, day, it doesn't matter. The, the goal is he wants to be able to play high school, then college ball, and maybe beyond that. Right. And it's like, okay, well, you know what? You're learning what you need to do. Okay. We've got all the concepts out. Now you have to put in the grind every day. And that's the hard part. And I feel like because it was written in, in a style similar to The Richest Man in Babylon, that my questions coming up along the way, if I was reading another book, and, and you even mentioned uh, other textbooks at the end of the book, where you, you talked a little bit about the reasons for why you had written it, I will have those questions when I'm reading a traditional textbook. So you answer that in a conversation I felt like I was sitting with those two as a third person fly on the wall. That was that was exactly the intention, right? And to put you right into the middle of that conversation, and you can be there, and you can get the answers, and 
um, you know, it, it, it prompts you to, uh, to go ahead and, uh, and Google things inside the book so you can get back those references. Uh, in fact, one of the things that we're doing for the print version of the book um, is we'll actually have pages that say notes on top. So you can go in there and keep adding your notes as, as you're going through that conversation. That's interesting. So it's a pseudo workbook and life lesson book all in one. That's it. You know, and it's funny. One of, one of my early friends, um, you know, he was one of the first uh, clients we ever had in the industry, uh, had, had read one of the early versions. And he, as he kept reading, he said, you know, this is way more than a business book. It reminded him of like a Paolo Coelho book, right? Because if you really read into it, there, there is this deeper story of personal transformation on top of business transformation. And I think any good book, and, and this is what we're trying to do, is like, you know, you're not going to change a company by changing one or two ideas. And, I, and we've seen that. What you, what you need to do is that the leadership actually needs to transform. And so if the book didn't accomplish that, the rest of it couldn't have fallen into place. And so we needed the, the, the person who is that leader reading the book to also feel that transformation. So before we get too far along, because I'm, we're going to jump into transformation, we're going to talk about concepts sure. of leadership and everything else. But I, I feel like for people that are out there that haven't read the book yet, let's take one step back and it, well, exactly well, not having read it yet. I think we got to address that first. <laughs> so so if they haven't read it back, what is the basics of Be Like Amazon? So, you know, in uh, 1998, 1999, 2000 ish, um, you know, we already had started our agency in 1998. It was the first agency focused on conversion rates. And back then, we weren't super bullish on Amazon. You know, like a lot of people, we were really skeptical whether they would succeed. Over the years, we just kept watching as Jeff Bezos and team executed. By 2004, um, I had met one of my friends who had worked there, one of the first people I'd met who had worked there, and he was in charge of their testing platform at the time. And he shared some insights on the type of stuff that they were doing. I'm like, okay, no, I get it. And, you know, for the last two decades, we've always prompted people to focus on conversion optimization. And uh, it's it's ironic in the fact that um, at the growth summit this year in Frankfurt, I'm actually going to be talking about uh, saying goodbye to the buy button. Um, wow. While- that is a very, very bold. We And we have to talk about that. Okay. Um, and the fact that, you know, Jeff Bezos in 1995 made a statement that, that he talked about in the uh, Everything Store which he said he wanted to be Earth's most customer-centric company. Now, whether you've met Jeff Bezos or just watched a video of him online, you can probably tell he's not a warm and fuzzy guy, <laughs> okay? So what does he mean by customer-centric? And I think this is, you know, it's a word that gets thrown around so much in our industry. I think people confuse him. What he meant by is he just wanted to deeply understand and deliver to customers beyond their expectations. And he was gonna do that because what he realized, the advantage that, digital provided him was data that if I walked into the Walmart or you walked into the Walmart and Walmart doesn't know whether you're the most valuable customer in the world or I'm the most valuable customer in the world. They just know what products move off of what shelves and if they if they compress the shelf and the product boxes by you know a quarter of an inch, they can put this much more throughput. They're great at that. They're great at product SKUs and locations. That's that was their mastermind. They were not good at the people side of it. And Amazon since day one Right. Especially once they once they patented their one click, it all became about tying everything to the individual, either through that cookie, that sign in with their email address or their mobile number. And one of the things that was interesting right in the beginning of the book is that you took that example of Walmart and you mashed it up against Amazon. And then you talked about the core principles that they began with and why they maybe are not the bigger company that they could have been because they focused on logistics and not being customer centric. So you use that exact example to help bring it alive to me because we can talk about that from a conceptual intellectual yeah. level, but you brought it down more granular. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's funny, and I don't think this is just a, a, a knock on Walmart. I mean, you know, today that we're recording this, you know, here in the, you know, the middle of April, you know, there's all these articles in the last few weeks about, you know, the demise and, and, and you know, the death of, of retail, physical retail. And it's certainly going through a lot of its challenges. But I found a number of things that are going on in retail that w- will make a lot of sense to you when, when you put all these two options together. Sam Walton in his day was a, a brilliant innovator. Right. And, and we talk about some of those values. And w- one of the key values is obviously, you know, they really talked about, you know, their their employees as family and really taking care of family. And today with the, wa- the, the Walmart taxes that we pay to, you know, to keep people underpaid by Walmart so they can earn billions. You know, we don't have to even go there. 
But what, what happens is as the founders grow their companies, these innovators grow their retail companies, and, and this happens in more than retail, but in every uh, industry, they try to bring on professional management. Okay, and management needs processes and, and, and uniformity and rules and algorithms. And we saw what happens with that when you like you apply that to United Airlines. Right. Um, it, right. It gets really ugly sometimes, both for the company and for the customer. So I think what what Jeff Bezos, his brilliancy. Right. There's a, there's a few of them. And, you know, he's a terribly smart guy. Um, but everything he's done is really duplicatable. I think this is a real key part. What he realizes he wanted to be, remain as the world's oldest startup. He's always in startup mode, right? Uh, he talked about it in this year's letter to shareholders, right? It's always day one. The building he lives in, it's day one, right? It's not day two because day two is complacency and irrelevance and then death, right? He doesn't want to be there. So you've got to start with that intensity that, you know what, we're going to keep small teams, we're going to keep agile, we're going to keep executing, and we're going to keep delivering to the customer because they've got to keep us on our toe because it's day one in their lives, right? Their need right now is the need right now. It's that urgency. And so when you when you live that way, um, you, you remain great. And they've, he's figured out a great management style and, and techniques to, to manage a team that's grown to hundreds of thousands of employees using these same concepts. And so... Um, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that, that corporate America has is that the management thinking of the last 40 years um, is not working anymore. And ironically, I think you are one of the only people that's been talking about Amazon in terms of what they're doing from the inside. Now, a lot of people talk about their technological improvements, what kind of products they're releasing. But I believe that you're one of the only people that brought to my attention the Amazon memo. And that was something that you later referred to in the book. You you talked about it in uh, a little bit more. In BioLegends. Yeah, yeah, I touched it, on it. Yeah, you touched on it. And even in this book, you touched on it again. But in some of your blog posts, you've actually put what the Amazon memo asks and the very detailed yeah. questions. And it's only meant to be about a page or two long. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's funny. And it actually frightens me in some way. You know, I, I've got young kids and – the education that they've been getting has been focused really in on a lot more um, on presentation skills. You know, m you know, my daughter when she I remember when we first moved here to Texas, the first thing one of the first assignments she ever had to do was she had to create a how-to video. So she did a cooking video on on making chocolate mousse with her with her brother and really made a, a fun little show. But it was teaching her new skills. Um, and and every year um, they do uh, two th two times a year they do what's called <coughs> excuse me, uh, portfolio days where they have to stand in front of the community and their teachers and their parents and share a few of the things that they've learned. And so they're really teaching them some great verbal skills, but they're not spending the same amount of time in, in overall in teaching this critical writing skills, okay? Not just writing for the sake of writing and, and memorizing, which we see a lot of, but what Jeff Bezos does is he asks all his executives to write five or six page detailed document about what they're trying to accomplish. If they're trying to launch a new product, what does that um, press release look like to the customer, right? How does it benefit them? And so it's putting all those words down in detail onto paper. So it's not a bullet point that, right? They can't rely on, Oh, this bullet point is more important than that bullet point. And no one knows it's every detail has to be there. And one, of, I think the coolest things is, and, and, and people get this kind of wrong is, you know, Jeff Bezos has been known to throw them out if there's a comma missing. I saw that in the book when you uh, when you referenced right? that and be like Amazon. And people and people don't realize it's like you know it's actually interesting because it's not about him being a tough boss, which I'm sure he is because very driven. But it's more of if you miss the comma, what else did you kind of take for granted? What else did you miss? That's an interesting way of looking at it, and it's. It's a why that people don't talk about. You could just come up with this own idea in your head that your boss is being unfair and being unrealistic. But that yep. why makes total sense to me when you explain it that pay attention to details because these details matter and I want to know that you've thought about the implications of this action. Yep. And, and uh, you know, we, he is just brilliant at getting his teams to execute whether they succeed or they fail. They're constantly executing. And, and that's another and point that you brought up in the book is about failure. 
And, yeah. and that's another aspect about small and big companies that they don't get it quite right is that you have to fail. And, and in this book, you encouraged failure and you, you did that through the mentor and the student relationship of talking about the value of it. So you didn't just talk about these, these basic business principles. You talked about what these life principles. So this is where this transformational aspect, I believe this book has so many aspects to it. Yep, agreed. Thank you. Yeah, and and again, uh, that's a that's a new concept. I've noticed a lot of seasoned businesses talk. You you even mentioned this in the book. They say that they're innovative, but then when you look at what innovative actions mean, it means that you thrive on failure. Or uh, you know, I have an example that um, that I'm going to use um, in some of my presentations. So uh, because I really wanted to also make sure we're, we're we're looking at you know businesses that are are part obviously from from you know, what would appeal to you or I, but there's a, there's a brand that my daughter loves called Lush. Okay. And Lush makes these, you know, uh, all organic handmade facial creams and bath bombs and stuff like that. And so, um, my daughter had gone with one of her friends and she, she went to the store, they opened up a new store about 15 minutes away from our house and she went and she bought a mask. And, um, as she drove home and she was nearly home, she opened it up cause she wanted to smell it. She loves the smell of these things. She noticed that the inside, it looked, like it was uh, usually when they're in there, they're nice and smooth. They're packed in. This one was kind of like it looked like someone put their fingers in it. Oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> so she called up the store and in the store, there's this big poster in all of them that says, we believe we believe the customers look like always right and blah, blah, blah. And they have all the different things there. Right. So she gets back to the. She calls the person and says, oh, no problem. Bring it back. We'll we'll exchange it. No, no issue. She gets to the store and the person she speaks to is like, nope. Sorry, can't do anything about it. And, and you're it, thinking, I'm, I'm looking in the back and I'm seeing this sign that says customer's always right. I'm confused now and I'm upset. That's right. And, you know, what they did is, okay, you know, will she go back? Yes. Does she have the same passion for the brand now? No. They've already eroded it by one person's action, right? The most average person on their average day as opposed to the best employee on the best day, right? And so – Actions really are explicit. Like, hey, this is something that's supposed to be organic, that's packed in the store, that doesn't look quite right, and someone's got to put it on their face. I'm sorry. You know what? I know what the ingredients cost, and I know what you charge. Um, <laughs> take it back and give me another one. And you want to repack it? I, whatever. I, I don't know the regulations. I don't care. <laughs> but you've got to make it right. And you know, obviously, it hasn't. It hasn't. You know, infected their culture to think that way. That's really disappointing, too, because when you talked about brand and again, mm -hmm. when when one of the greatest strengths of this book is, I think, simplification, a lot of people can talk about brand for hours about what it means and what it doesn't. But really what I got from it was that it's about authenticity and actually standing up for your actions. So making sure that your actions align. So just like what you're talking about, when people say building a brand, well, they are destroying their brand one person at a time by doing this. And you, like you said, she may or may not still shop there, but she's not going to be an advocate that maybe she was uh, take it a day earlier. Maybe she was having a conversation with her friend. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I went, I went online on Twitter and they, you know, they ended up giving her, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Coupon. Cause it was a first time to, to redeem it. But it shouldn't have had to come to that, right? And that's that's the whole point. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Roy uh, Williams, who is our co-author in the book, in this week's um, uh, Monday Morning Memo, he puts out. He's been doing content marketing since before content marketing was a word. Uh, he started off. He started it off as a answering machine, um, and then eventually went to fax, and then to email, and all that, right? And then a number of best-selling books. But. Um, he actually talks about branding as, as, you know, a lot of people mistake branding as, you know, visual style guide, right? So I just pulled these together. So this is our local uh, um, AAA baseball team, right? In the Round Rock Express, and you can kind of see their logo on there. And so now when I get a enjoy a free game, you kind of see the same, right? And the same colorings, right? And so that's what they think of branding. This has been branded. The problem is this is branding. That's a visual style guide that they followed, right? Branding is about bonding. 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 How do I relate back to the customer? How do I get that that relationship with the customer where we're bonded together, where I only think about them when I have a particular need because I've already bonded in that relationship? That's a totally different intention for how to do anything. Yes. With that in mind, and yep. really, that's the beginning that where it should be. Right. So it's 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 the the idea of being, um, you know, uh, and we talk about in. Uh, um, in the book in terms of, you know, optimization, 
optimization just shows you're caring, right? If something's not perfect about our relationship, you know, it's like, yes, we've been in touch, you know, since 2010, but we probably don't, maybe don't talk often enough. So I'll say, okay, well, you know what? How, how do we fix that? How do we remedy that? The, right? That's what real relationships are built on, right? It's not on, oh, you know, I'll send you an email and we won't touch base or anything like that. But if I know I'm coming to your city or something, and, and so you connect with people, you find ways to bond with them. That's the whole point. It's like, um, I've, I've given this tip also about, you know, how I use social media, right? Social media is a great way to lightly first touch somebody. But what I try to do is when I get to a city where I know that people are there to actually meet them in person, I try never to have lunch or dinner alone when I'm in a city traveling because hopefully I can meet someone that I've that met and develop a bond with them. Again, this is where the transformational aspect, I think, begins with the book, is that we start out with these basic level concepts that would unite somebody because, again, this curiosity around Amazon, and now it moves into other areas of how to actually live your life. Like, for example, you get into Simon Sinek's The Why, and I've seen that probably about seven times. And I get it. You know, when he talks about Apple as a company, and I want to talk about Steve Jobs a, a little bit with you as well. When I when I watch that video, I get it. But sometimes it doesn't connect with me at the heart level. It, it just it doesn't fully integrate with me because I get a little bit confused on how to do that. And you brought up a concept. You said, look at how many times he says the word believe in his TED talk. So so let's take away the why because the why can be a little confusing. Let me now focus on believe. Well, hold on. So, so not, let's let's take it a step further, right? When when do when in our development, right, in, in in human development, when does why become an important concept? Probably not until later on in life. No, no, no. Really early. Really? When do kids start asking okay. why? About I don't everything? have kids yet, so I I, uh, <laughs> okay. I maybe so, have lost that perspective. <laughs> okay. So you know, we start with the what's, and then we go to the why's pretty early. So we're always hearing why, 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 you, you know, you ask a mother of like a three-year-old and she never wants to hear the word why again. <laughs> the next person that I interview that has kids, I'm going to ask them as the first question, how many times do you okay. hear why in your day? <laughs> okay. And so, you know, why can't we go do this? Why can't I do that? Why? What do you believe? Belief is something such so much stronger, so, so deeply ingrained in us. Okay, it becomes part of who our character is, and that's what gives us opportunity to bond over people, right? And I think that is uh, why it's so powerful. And I think people, you know, we gravitated because the simple part was why, you know, who, what, why, where, great, why. But I think at his core, he yes, he was talking about that belief statement. How do you come out and say we believe? But then you have to act it, and your whole organization has to act it. And how you hire is so critical to doing that. Who you surround yourself with in your life is critical to show that that's what you believe. And I read some of the belief statements because, again, you you did a really good job of meshing the concept with actual tangible examples. So I started reading some of the the belief statements of some of these companies. And at the end, Puba, you know, our mentor in the, in the story, he goes, so what do you think about this? And and the student, Sunshine, says, I, I kind of want to hang out with these people. Like, I, I know these people. I know what I'm going to be getting from them through these belief statements. And some of these I started laughing because I was like, yeah, that's what I believe too. And now I'm drawn to them. Right. You want to be part of their tribe. I do. That's, that's, exact, that's exactly it. And, and that's why it's so powerful. Actually, if you want to have a lot of fun, uh, one of the cool things is um, the digital marketer one uh, um, uh, Ryan Dice and his team actually created a video for it, so you can actually you can actually share in the, in the show notes um, the video to Ryan's We Believe statements, and um, his I think is he's done a couple things in there that's kind of interesting, and he and he did it one day just sitting at one of the classes at Wizard Academy and say okay you know and he just started jotting these down and that's how it became eventually a video on his site and um, I think it's incredibly powerful. It really makes it, you understand why. He's so different than a lot of the other uh, marketers who are out there pitching courses and, and certifications and stuff. It was interesting, too, because he used a, a little bit of uh, escalation in it as well, where he tied in parts of it that were a little going to crazy town, but still made sense to me. And then he yep. tied it into another element of his company. So it was personal and professional that weaved this nice little thread. Exactly. Well, c- you know, can you really separate it? You know what? I've, I've heard 
people say separate it. But at the end of the day, if we're talking about brand in terms of how you've defined it as being authentic and living up to your actions, like having everything be balanced and together, then I'd say no, no. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we we can look at examples like REI and what they've done over the last few years, and you know, giving people off on, you know, on um, on Black Friday and uh, you know their donations and and you know, I mean, you know, you can tell that this is a company that truly believes in the outdoors and and taking care of the environment and taking care of their people, and you know, uh, it, it's not my lifestyle, right? But when I would need stuff for them, they're the first ones I'd gravitate to because they have a strong value system. And that really – and it resonates with me. Even, you know, yes, I believe in the environment and I believe – so you know, while I'm not climbing mountains right now um, <laughs> you know, or doing a lot of fishing, I want to be you – know, like I would support them because if I was to engage in any of those endeavors, their other beliefs that they have shown through their actions totally you know, abide with where, where I am at in life. I agree with you. Now, we were talking before we started the interview about Steve Jobs. How does Steve Jobs connect with Amazon and uh, vice versa? So it was probably about four years ago. Um, I was I had started doing a new keynote um, and it's actually still one of my favorite keynotes. And I haven't done it in years. I probably need to pull it back out. But what I had done is um, I pulled together um, all these lessons that you can learn from Steve Jobs and you know, I showed like the important, and what I did is I, I, I pulled out all of his, all these different commercials, right. Um, uh, to illustrate each of the points. So it was commercial and then explaining the point. And I was like, okay, you know, they pay attention to the details. And for example, we talked about the MagSafe, um, uh, plugs, right. How they fall out. I said, nobody else has developed one of those changed completely. Right? And I explained, you know, how that's, you know, customer centric. So, so I go on and on and on and I'm like, yeah, you know what? All of that just requires incredible amounts of genius, right? Someone so intuitive that um, you know there is only one Steve Jobs or 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 or, uh, or a Tesla, uh, you know, Elon Musk out there. They just don't exist every single day. And so I realized, okay, I love the presentation, I love the concept, but it was very hard for people to kind of do everything from it. Uh, and then you know, I've been following Amazon all these years, and I started realizing, you know what? There's something to what Jeff Bezos is doing, and I kept putting together pieces, and I finally realized, ah, okay, there's this flywheel concept. The, the reason conversion optimization in and of itself and customer centricity is great but won't work without the innovation and won't work without the corporate agility because one of the challenges we always had when we had our agency is, well, how well can the people execute on the recommendations? If they couldn't execute, you can't get gains. So that agility was a key component. So you always need to have – you know, each piece, how well did they deliver to their customer? Well, if I can't control that, I can't, no matter what, how much I optimize, I'm only going to give you that little piece of the, 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 the big scale. And so we realized, no, these really are a larger system, you know, kind of like, you know, taking apart a watch with all the little gears in there. You really have to understand how they all come together. And Amazon system just made complete sense where Steve Jobs, as we see, you know, it falls apart without a Steve Jobs, right? The supply chain stuff is fine. But the innovation part that they were doing is is not where it used to be because the way he was thinking wasn't there. The way Amazon innovates, anybody can innovate. And I think that's that's one of the big the, the distinctions. And it's interesting to see the future of Apple because you brought up a few other examples. So again, we're not just targeting or excuse me, I'm I'm taking credit for the the being part of this now because I'm having a conversation with you. I'm I'm gonna bring this back to you and give credit where credit is due. But we're not you are not just targeting something like a Amazon versus a Walmart distinction. You also brought up examples of Sears and Sears rise and fall. And so Apple might be deviating from some of those core principles which is why the innovation might be a little stagnant at the moment. But like you said, the supply chain management is something that Tim Cook has been praised over of his brilliancy to be able to accomplish those feats. Yeah, I mean, you know, so let, let's take example, the, the concept of the AirBuds, right? People didn't like them at first, but they're constantly selling out. And I don't think it's a supply chain issue. I think they just really didn't anticipate the, the type of growth they would have. And everybody who I know has them raves about them, okay? Um, and truly there's something, if you think about it, it really is for the crazy ones, right? <laughs> when, when, when Steve Jobs put it out, it's like, you really got to be crazy to have a little air, you know, little things that can disappear and, <laughs> but people rave over them and it really fits their core customer coming out with a new laptop. 
you know, with all the dongles and with, you know, they, they, I think they, they push the edge a little bit too much. And I think, you know, that's where that balance comes in. They, they have to come back. And I think this is the struggle that happened from going, you know, where they were niched to, to now their mass scale. And how do you kind of balance those things out? Um, you know, I, I, I'm not writing them off. You know, you, they have over $200 billion in cash. They'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they should be okay. But, you know, I, I look at a company like Microsoft today as well, right? Microsoft, five, six years ago, people were really concerned about in the bomber years. They were really concerned about where they were going to go. And now under, uh, you know, uh, Satya, they're, they're, they're doing amazing things. And, and, you know, they're reviving. Having a lot of cash lets you do things. The, the problem with the Sears is, yeah, they, they just totally let go everything, including the Craftsman brand, which was one of their key value things. And, yeah, I think that's that's the death of them. And again, you know, you're doing contrasts in the book where you look at something like Craftsman and you understand why selling off Craftsman was a very short term decision and something that wasn't aligned with the original founder's viewpoint, which is why it wasn't succeeding and why we don't think of Sears as the powerful brand anymore. And then again, you come back to Amazon and I, I love how you wanted to make this a duplicatable phenomenon. We weren't looking at a, a book that is on the good to great list that no one can ever dissect. You're basically right. looking at it in terms of, well, Craftsman was a short-term decision. After they do that, they can never go back, and maybe it's going to be the death of Sears completely. Yeah, well, we, we shall see. I mean, I, you know, I certainly wouldn't be buying a lot of stock in them. Let's put it that way. <laughs> or you go the other way and do short selling, right? <laughs> well, so the, 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 funny, the funny thing is, so the, one of the first times I ever did this presentation, um, I, I did a present, this presentation on Amazon when we first really digging deep into them. Um, at uh, Copy Bloggers' first summit, and um, it was funny because uh, Steve Jackson, who's their you know CFO, was uh, in the audience, and he was listening to it, and it's like you know he was just blown away. He said, you know what, he didn't understand you know all the marketing stuff of, that I was sharing, but he's realized with all the way they're thinking about these four pillars that I need to buy some of their stock. And back then it was like <laughs> I, I, I forgot what what he paid for, it, but it's like yeah, it's it's more than doubled since since that presentation. And it wasn't cheap <laughs> back then, so um, you know they they still have a lot of room. They still have a lot of new industries they're going to go into uh, industries that we haven't even thought of. Like you know one of, one of the things my um, I, I share with one of my uh, same mentors uh, that I talked about earlier. Um, you know they just came out with a with a solution to do uh, uh, phone trees and and, and uh, call centers. Through Amazon Cloud called Amazon Connect. Interesting. I've never of, heard of that. Yeah, kind of quite thing. But you know what? It's it's going to be completely disruptive to the industry once they really start going at it. What will they not come out with? I mean, we're dazzled by the fact of drones. Now they're just basically figuring out any type of little niche that they can get into. And probably because they're agile and they're small and these things don't cost them a lot. Why not? Well, and and they've also come out with a, with a different operating system that no one's even realized yet. Explain. <laughs> okay. Alexa is an operating system. It's a commerce operating system. And no one thinks of it that way. Nobody thinks about that way. Because what's going to happen is when we saw it this past year at CES, everyone last year asked me predictions for next year. What's going to be a big thing? A lot of people talking about AR, VR. I said, yeah, voice. And of course, CES came along and all of a sudden Amazon has 7,000 new skills. Now it's grown over 10,000 new skills. And what's going to essentially happen is Amazon's going to allow you to embed Alexa into cars which we've seen, refrigerators, microwaves, TVs. And on and know, on and on. Uh, vacuum cleaners, right? I mean, on and on cars, uh, you know, actual navigation of the cars, not just, you know, part of the deck. And all of a sudden, I'm going to be driving along and I'm going to be saying, Alexa, where can I find a, um, a great smoothie uh, or, or a black shirt so I can take it on my next trip? In, in my size. And Alexa is going to go, well, you have this vendor here who's got, you know, three different styles in your size. And this vendor has six. Which one would you like me to navigate you to? And you're going to walk into the store that has the six and you're going to try them on and you're going to be like, OK, scan it with your Alexa app and, you know, Alexa Go, which they're they're basically going to license out. And their marketplace will have all these local stores because now Alexa is on the move. And it's going to be a completely different search because it's all going to be driven by voice, but it's going to know all your preferences on top of it all. And it's going to allow that simple commerce exchange as well. It's got to kind, of, kind of take a breath to let that sink in. <laughs> 
Now, you, you mentioned before about Wizard Academy, and I didn't know about Wizard Academy prior to about a, a year or so ago, but one of the things that I was looking into in it is that Wizard Academy, it looks like their mission is to simplify concepts. And again, I think that's why your connection with them might be strong. Connect me, correct me if I'm wrong, but you did that with this book. You, you simplified concepts. So is that was was the Wizard Academy a a genesis for this book? Did it give you some inspiration for it at all? Uh, well, so we've we've been associated with with Roy Williams and the Wizard Academy since about two thousand and one. We were one of the first people ever attend Wizard Academy. Um, we've been major donors to the academy. It's a five hundred one c three here uh, in the Hill Country in Austin. Um, uh, on the campus, we've got a a free wedding chapel called Chapel de Sinea, where um, you know almost a thousand couples a year get married there. Uh, from all over the globe and it's people come it's like from japan germany wherever um but we also have a business school for the, for the brave and imaginative and they also have a, a whiskey marketing school on, on top <laughs> well why not so, yeah <laughs> we, we can go into that but it's, a, it's about storytelling to whiskeys right um roy has built an incredible business the whole the whole campus has been built um and it's uh nine buildings now and we're building a third, a third dormitory there are two now there's going to be a third one on campus shortly um all through donations um people who have come there um have donated because the academy and roy williams uh have made them a fortune of money I, i'll give you i'll give you a, like a, a simple story one of the people there who donated the gym on campus was a gentleman i sat next to in one of our classes and I um, first started presenting some of the concept of buyer legends for him. He did the initial work on his on buyer legends uh, during the class, went back to his business and, you know, he sold a few million dollars worth of, of products online and, and within three weeks increased his business 46 <laughs> percent. I mean, and so, somebody would um, think that that's magic. So they're wondering what you're actually doing there at Wizard Camp. And so he offered Roy to buy all the equipment for a gym. That seems like really good karma right there. <laughs> yeah, it really is a magical place, you know. And by the way, he he owned the term Wizard Academy way before Harry Potter ever came out. So, <laughs> just to get that out of the way, <laughs> just to get that out of the way. And uh, you know, he had he was nicknamed by one of his early clients, the Wizard of Ads, and that's where this originally came from. That's really, really fascinating. I did read that about the the fact of the wedding chapel and that there are certain rituals that they have there. They have very specific objects there so that you, again, and and getting back to the elements of a story, which I think you've been a, a real pioneer throughout the entire time that I've heard you teach, you have a story of your wedding. Instead of just going to a random location to get married that, you know, again, hundreds of other thousands of people have maybe used, but maybe it's some place that's unpersonable in the yep. Hawaii or something like that, that has no real resonance with tradition and values. And, 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 and rituals, right? Rituals. And symbolism. And I think all of those things tie into really making things connect to people. Right. Um, and yeah, without them, you know, things are pretty vanilla and boring. And I think that's a big part of what we try to talk about. You know, Amazon is pretty vanilla and boring when, but they're not. And I think that's what's that's what's so interesting about them. It's like, yeah, there's something, and it, and it's it's the reason behind the name, right? It's it's you know it's something more than just a river. It's it's there's something more underneath all of this, and we kind of know that. Um, and uh, Jeff Bezos, as we see, you know, they're now in the movie business, they're in the business services business, they're in the call center business, they're in the technology business. You know, now he he owns newspapers and he's turning them profitable. You know, he's become the second richest man um, on the planet, you know, and all from a guy who, who you know, 20 years ago, um, you know, basically had to do 60 meetings just to raise a million dollars. Back and, and hear how hard it was and what and it's turned plan. into. And if you remember back then, you I mean, anybody who had a business plan was getting funded. <laughs> I lived through those days. I remember reading some of these. I mean, they were laughable business plans. Pets.com. Come on. <laughs> And uh, you did a brilliant job of teasing me before. You talked about the potential of dropping your idea of dropping the buy button. So let's let's talk about your uh, your idea of dropping the buy button. Well, I, I already teased it just before. There's a new operating system. Screens really are not a great interaction mode, right? They're very passive. They're not great on the eyes. Um, and I predict a lot more of what we're going to doing between voice 
between uh, AR, uh, some VR, um, will eventually replace the traditional shopping that we do um, with without having to use a mobile screen. It'll be this this concept of the the phone will be archaic. Okay, it might be as small as an earbud, right? That we can talk to, and it's a whole computer packed into that little earbud. I mean, that's the that's the direction we're we're going into. You know, there's more to this technology because of what needs to happen on screen than the computing power that I can get from a little Amazon Echo today, right? And, and so you think about how that scales and, and over time. And so, you know, I worry because a lot of my friends who are in the conversion optimization industry worry still about you know, the UX of the screen. What does the screen look like? What, is, what does it look like on mobile? And it's like, I don't think that's going to matter over the success over the long term. I think we have to come to grips with, you know, what are chatbots going to do? What are, you know, what is it going to be like when I'm, you know, interacting in AR or I, I can walk into a hollow room, right, um, and interact with items and, and put things on without having to get dressed to see how things look from it. So that's where we're going, going to be over the next number of years. And Unfortunately, we're not going to get there if people are still worrying about testing buttons and headlines, and it's just not going to happen. It's interesting because when you look out at a lot of people, I know a lot of the baby boomers that are out there, look at them trying to use a telephone. And oftentimes, they can't even see the telephone unless they have their reading glasses. And if they don't have their reading glasses, they can't really interact with their phone. So it's this very interesting challenge that is something that's you know, people aren't really changing. Their eyesights aren't getting better. And yet nope. the phones are getting smaller. The type, you know, people in, don't. In, in fact, being on the phone is probably making them worse as well. Exactly. Right? Or and, spending and, long times on the computer, staring at the screens. And the, and the blue light at night keeps people awake. And so when you eliminate all that and now we can just talk and things happen, you know, if, if I if I if I shout loud enough, I can I can tell A-L-E-X-A to order me more dog food. And, and and it would show up tomorrow. I like how you spelled it out because that gives me an idea that there's one close by. <laughs> um, I'd have to shout. We're in, I'm in, I'm in my office. It's it's kind of in the center of the house, but um, yeah. I have one of those back at, at home as well, and uh, and I have to be very careful when I'm explaining to people what they do to trigger the command because when I say it, then it triggers it, and then they get distracted, and then I do the same thing: A L E X A, turn on lights. <laughs> exactly. I love it. I love it. So, where did this connection between philosophy become so interesting to you that you wanted to weave it in? Because again, there's a lot of business books, there's a lot of management books, there's a lot of leadership books, but again, the combination in uh, be like Amazon, I think is is really the sweet spot. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, this this is something that, you know, having the conversations with Roy and, and looking back at, you know, the companies that we've worked with over the years have really, truly been successful. You know, w you know, look, we've gotten a lot of success from simple tactics and just the, the storytelling, stuff like that. But the ones that have ultimately transformed, it's when, you know, they're fully converted. They're, the, everything kind of just comes into it. And, I, you know, I think what we really want to do is 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 create a a an environment, especially when I think there's a lot of companies that are in a lot of pain today, more more than ever before. I mean, we're, organizations are really struggling. It's not just retailers; it's 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 all across the board. It's just harder to to to, to be relevant, to get heard, to get people's attention. Um, you know, we we need a new game plan. We need to understand that, that what Jeff Bezos did is not. Not, you know, the concept of the four pillars is not revolutionary, by the way. In fact, you know, you can go to the Be Like Amazon website today. There's a free survey on there that you can take that will measure you on those four pillars. That survey has been being used for like 13 years across other organizations like GE Healthcare and a bunch of others. They had different names. So that part of the management is not new. It's everything and how it's been put together that's really new. Um, and the fact that now you can also tie in this data layer to it that really transforms your organization. And I think without taking all of that, the data and applying data and what I like to call augmented intelligence, right, which is where AIs will come from. It's a big part of the shareholder letter this year and heart, right, the empathy for the customer. And when you put all of that together, Everything aligns and magic happens, and that's where you get organizations that are doing amazing things. Is this going to be a formula for future teachings going forward for you? Is this is this something that you're starting? Because again, all of your books up to this point 
had elements of these. And, and it's not to say that the works prior are any different than this one. But again, I read this book in about an hour. Yep. Yeah. People have read it anywhere from like 30, 40 minutes to an hour. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, w- I was obviously taking notes and, and uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I was yeah. I was trying to really make sure that I, I had the the fine points. And then I was intrigued, which allowed me to go off into Google land to, to do some of my own research. But uh, I, again, it, it was just such a combination of sorts where, where you said you're bringing together philosophy, business, management, leadership, everything so that I didn't just see a part of the puzzle. And I noticed that I get frustrated with certain books or certain presentations or things like that where I only get a piece of it. For example, when I saw Simon Sinek's work, he got me. I knew exactly that this was an important concept, but he didn't exactly connect with me on all the examples. You weaved all of them together. Yeah, that's, you know, again, it's it's the combination of being able to work uh, with Roy. Um, again, he's just incredibly brilliant. Uh, you know, we spent a number of hours sharing with him all the material that we wanted to make sure got in the book. And how he weaved together the story and the examples, uh, um, you know, like Roy, let's put it that way. Yeah, and you it know. was interesting. I do, too. I do know. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I do, I do know that that there there are rumors of a sequel uh, uh, coming along. I mean, uh, you know, he definitely fell in love with this concept and 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 how it was delivered. And what was really interesting too is that. You guys talked about him in the book in terms of how a bestseller is created. And again, uh, I've heard a lot about expectations and and the expectation for you guys, I'm just going to throw it out there, probably wasn't to have a bestseller. It would be great if it is a bestseller, but that probably shouldn't be the expectation going out the uh, gate. And and you came up with a couple things. You said, number one, you got to start with a big idea. And number two, you got to have some nuts and bolts. Number three is that you got to have some entertainment in there. And then number four, you have hope. Again, these are these are four pillars. And I think anybody can duplicate these. But again, that's when I looked back in the end of why I connected with your work. It was that you hit every single one of these pillars. Yeah. And and what's interesting is every presentation, you know, all of them, they all have the same elements. Right. And and you need to kind of work in there. I've, I've been. Sharing with this since uh, since Ray Bard first discovered that you know this and, and he really did a deep analysis on this, um, you know, kind of like the, we're starting to see some machines looking at you know what are the most common elements of stories and what really works. Well, there's a great article this past week about that. I'm happy to share that if you didn't see it. There was six key stories that AIs have identified. Let's let's add uh, that into the the notes at the, the end. Note. Yeah, yeah, it's a great article. Um, and so yeah, we knew we needed to kind of weave the. And of course, that's why this marshmallows in the book. You need to have marshmallows to have some fun. Um, <laughs> and you'll get that by reading the book. We're not going to go into too much yes. detail on that now. Yeah, I'm not, not going to give them that one. But, you know, a lot of the problems that people have said, and as I'm reading some of the reviews that are going up on Amazon, is a lot of the parable books, they're really good at giving you that that idea and, and the hope part. And maybe, you know, and obviously the entertainment, but they fall apart on the nuts and bolts, Right. Um, I, I mean, I can think of several right off the top of my head. Um, and so we knew that we needed to pack it in the same, the packing in also had to be a result because we had so much, so many concepts that we had to put into the book to make it work and, and, and make it simple enough. So balancing that again, you know, Roy is just absolutely gifted because, uh, in order for people to, to get all that value, um, you know, I think you'd agree. People just need to read the book. I mean, it's it. There's so much to learn, not just about the business part, but also, but about if you if you're a writer, you want to you want to understand what he did. If you're you know if you do presentations, you want to understand why it's constructed a certain way. It's um, there's there's a lot to it. And I'm not just uh, I'm not just talking about how much I enjoy the book because Brian is my guest. I'm talking about it because I truly connected with it. And one of the questions that I had was um, since you mentioned a tease of a possible sequel, what what had to be cut out of this one? Was there was there one more or two more chapters that you just said, well, these are great points, but it might be a little bit too much at this point? No, there, I mean, there there's a lot of depth that we can go into on any single one of the pillars and, and the details that we really kind of left out. Some of those things are in buyer legends, a um, couple of those things. Um, some of them people will be able to see through some of the presentations and, and podcasts and stuff like that. Um, but I think this, this is a great job at really covering all the essentials, um, without, without leaving out anything really too critical. 
It is interesting. It's almost like it, it could be considered a table of contents book that is complete enough, but yet if you spun off each particular chapter into its own book, then you could go from there. So it, it like it gives you the full overview that is complete. But then if someone's like, oh, you know, I'm really craving a little bit more on on chapter number six. You know, but I also I also want to make one big point for people here who think, OK, we're really just trying to sell the book. You know, they can go straight to be like Amazon dot com and subscribe and get the full book by email serialized for free. And, and why did you choose to do that? Because that was it, for one, it it was an amazing gift. It was something where I thought that you truly believed in the work that you wanted to share it and that that was your primary motivation. So for me and, and again, because I've, I've known you for quite some time. That's been one of the things that I know about you is that you're giving. You're constantly, constantly giving. You're, uh, the term oversharing is not appropriate because I look at that as somebody that doesn't have a filter where you're like, you really need to be quiet right now. So it's, it's not that type of thing. It's just you are giving all the time. So Roy Williams' wife always said, you know, that you can do one of three things. Just have to choose your priorities, right? You can make a name for yourself. Um, you can make a difference or you can make money, okay? And the one thing we know is you don't make money – um, from a book. So whether we gave it away or we charged from it, hey, as long as we kind of break even in the long term, great. You make money because of a book. Okay. You know, yes, we will have probably a few clients and, you know, I'm sure uh, we'll increase the amount of speaking, you know, paid speaking I do over the next year or two that'll more than justify giving out a hundred thousand books if we had to. Right. It's, it's just, it's just that simple. And so, um, we want we want to make the difference. We want people to 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 read it. If they're keep being curious, maybe they'll come to Wizard Academy, get more courses. You know, uh, maybe they'll keep in touch with us. Maybe one day, you know, they'll come to one of our workshops or see me speak or or, you know, and we're seeing people who have gotten the book for free, you know, waiting for the for the hardcovers to come in so they can share them with friends. So we're, we're not worried about giving it away in, in, in any sense. I think there's just a lot of value. And what it also did from a marketing perspective, there are three challenges to any book when you're when you're putting out a book. The first one is, you know, you got to get people aware of a title. Now, the only thing I would have done differently is uh, stayed with their, stayed with one title, not change it midway. <laughs> what was the original title? The original title is brand like Amazon. Right. Uh, and then uh, with Ray and some co and some conversations with some people who read it, said, no, the book is much bigger than that. Don't leave it as a branding book. And so we changed it to be like Amazon. OK, but people still kind of got an idea that we were doing it. It didn't, you know, maybe it was a five to 10 percent loss because of that. But OK, people got aware of the title because we shared each chapter as they came out for 12 weeks. Right. Then you have to get people to be willing to pay for the book. And that's already an obstacle. So it's like, okay, well, if you want it for free, it's not an easy way to read it chapter by chapter in an email, but go for it. We're also going to do the same thing with the audiobook, probably. You know, uh, I could maybe argue a counterpoint to that is that by releasing it over a period of time, you can read and digest. You can read and digest. So it, it will Absolutely. force you to have a moment to then apply it to your business because you, you've you read chapter two and you say chapter two connects with me. How can I apply it this week? Chapter three comes out the following week. So it, it might actually be just a brilliant way of rolling into it, actually getting people to apply these concepts. It might be. And, and it also builds anticipation, right? So and then the third one, which is the hardest one, is you have to get people to invest their time into reading a book. Right. How many of us have books sitting on our desks? I probably have a couple here. Right. I'm that, waiting to uh, see how high your book collection is of, of what you're interested in, because uh, Brian has. So, OK, so uh, depending yeah. on how you're seeing this or how you're how you're hearing it, I just saw probably 200 books on uh, on Brian's yeah, shelf. That's not counting the ones that are still boxed up and some that are by, by Jeffries and some that. Are, yeah. So, I mean, there's and, and unfortunately we had we had to donate a ton of our books you know, when we, we move from Brooklyn and stuff like that. But yes, tons of books. But how many of them do you go through and, you know, you read the first 38 pages and you, you know you want to get back and it kind of sits there and sits there for months and you're like, okay, done. And so we knew also by serializing it and putting it out there and people just starting to read like, no, I'm hooked in the story, right? Um, also, one of the things you'll notice when we actually, uh, if, you, if you get the Kindle version or, or you get the hardcover, is that there is no Library of Congress page. So in other words, here I have a – here's the first book on top of mine. It's a dugout wisdom, a baseball book, right? But most books start off with a – here's the title of the book, who the author is, the publisher. Then it goes into the Library of Congress page and then a dedication. 
Um, and then sometimes acknowledgments and a preface and an introduction and a forward uh, table contents. There's none of that in our book. You go open the open the cover and you're right into the story. They're interesting okay. choices. Uh, well, every every detail matters in the customer experience. And and that's again what what Amazon, what Steve Bezos has been teaching his employees. So, Brian, tell which me, is, tell which me, is what this is about? Oh, let, let's let's talk about these two uh, mystery boxes that uh, that you have. So we, we talked about before we started the interview, Brian showed me these two mystery boxes. He's he's brilliant. He's doing so many wonderful things with uh, persuasion and, and he may or may not even know it. He shows me these boxes. He goes, we got to talk about this later. And then we move on to something else. <laughs> so this box, you obviously recognize who it's from. From Amazon. And right, it's, it's got, from it's Revlon got, or it yeah, just it has got, Revlon it, branding. Yeah, they did some promotion in March for Revlon is love, love is on, whatever. So it came in that box. But it's got the traditional Amazon packing tape on there, right? The prime packing tape. Yep. I ordered these in March. Haven't opened them yet. And this one has, has nothing. traditional vinyl, plain packing tape, boring box, nothing on it. And if you read who it's from, it says Fulfillment Center, Care of, Excel, Lee Summit. It doesn't even tell you that. I still hope it actually is. This is from Toys R Us. Interesting. I have no idea what that is. Yeah, I, I would have no idea. It's completely night and day different. Okay. So that's the first thing. The reason I haven't opened them is because it's one thing that Jeff Bezos understood is that delivering the package is not when the experience ends. Anybody can deliver a package. Of course, they got to me immediately. This took like a week and a half to get to me. They both contain the identical item deep inside. Okay. I will be bringing these to a conference. I'm going to be inviting two people on stage to open up the packages live. Because when you open up this package from uh, from Toys R Us, and if you can get through the tape without a scissor, I'd be surprised. <laughs> and of course, because I'm flying to New York, um, I will not have scissors. So you know, TSA would have confiscated them. So that's not going to work. Someone's going to have to figure out how to rip this open. And there's a little room, but I think they might be able to get that. Versus the Amazon tape, and if you open up an Amazon box, you know that paper tape. Really, it's so simple to open. Even a little kid can open it, which is brilliant. And what's great is it, it always holds its form branded, but it's easy to open at the same time. There's somebody on Amazon who obsesses about the packing tape. This is plain, ordinary, clear packing tape. Even I, the box is plain I, and ordinary. I know that Amazon is the only company that's ever solicited packing feedback it might even say that on your box on there it does it does it have the url on your box um it it doesn't this one this one because it has all the promotion for revlon doesn't all right i've noticed that some of them have it and then they come in their emails as well they want to know what your experience is so when when they open up these boxes inside of there there's going to be a rubik's cube (laughs) so two members in the audience are going to get a free rubik's cube the one in the toys r us box is closed up in a clam shell. They are going to be incredibly frustrated. It's going to be so much fun to see them try and get through another layer. This one, the one that Amazon has, they have something called frustration-free packaging. It's in a simple cardboard box. They're going to open it, and they're going to be playing with their Rubik's Cube while the person's getting the knife out and the scissors and you know, smashing it on the floor trying to get it open. And You're going to be videotaping the- this, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's the fundamental difference of customer obsession. In two simple boxes, if you can't tell the difference of why one is going to beat out the other, forget about the timing and the cost, the, the experience of opening up the box and being able to enjoy it in seconds versus got to find the scissors or the or the or the plastic cutter, it's a world of difference. And they do this over and over and over again. So if we if we kind of bring this back full circle, what is the experience or what is the change that's really important for you? and why you've been doing all these things. Because you know you started out as an agency, well, you started out doing a lot of things, but that moved into an agency, it moved into you being a teacher, and, and you've really gravitated that, you're now an author. What is it that you really believe in and what is it that you truly care about? What are your beliefs that you try and stand by? Um, you know, you know my, before my career online, I was, a, uh, I was starting to be a psychiatric social worker. Um, so it's really been about trying to understand people and, and help people at the end of the day. And I think, you know, people just want to be treated well. They want to be respected. They want to be valued. And unfortunately, corporate America has gotten so focused in on the dollars 
that they've completely forgotten that there's real value in people and, and value in employees and value in their customers, values in their communities. And, you know, one of the examples we talk about in the book, uh, and, I, and I think it illustrates it greatly, um, is an HVAC guy, right? Because I think it's an important part of talk about the book is right? we don't just talk about Amazon and e-commerce, we talk about all kinds of businesses, but there's an HVAC guy in, uh, in the Carolinas, right? Who, um, you know, they invited him to lead the Labor Day Parade and he's a big part of the community there. And it's like, that's the value, right? He's not just servicing air conditionings, right? He's a part of the community. We're all part of the community. The problem is when we start looking at customers with dollars, uh, dollar signs on their foreheads, right? And I think when we need to come back to realizing that there's real value in sharing and in contributing and working together, and at the end of the day, when you start putting that together, that's what true caring about the customer is. You know, yes, you know, that may be not what Jeff Bezos started with, but that passion for it certainly is out there. Everything, everything from their smile like Amazon program, right? It's another simple thing that they've done. It's like, had, did it increase sales? Maybe, maybe not. But they know they're contributing to thousands of char charities a little bit because people are just, it's so easy just to keep adding it. Even if you're on their regular site, and you've had a Smile account, they'll ask if you want to go back to their Smile account just so you donate to your cause. So if I was to hear that correctly, is the change that you're trying to make in the world, one of them potentially turning somebody from a customer into a human? That would be a well well said. Uh, Brian, I've, I've had a blast. I really have. And I could continue talking to you for about four or five days. But... You know, I want to be, I, I, that's my selfish desire, but I, I just wanted to thank you for being a part of this and for sharing your passion of this book. If, if everybody can't tell out there how passionate Brian is, uh, you know, I hope that comes across and I really hope you pick up this book. It's life changing. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, one of these days in uh, Austin, Texas. Deal.